Hello, welcome to game shows. I suppose. I, I, wow, I bungled up my own theme song and intro sequence. I, and I'm not even going to edit this. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ninja Podcast. But the one thing I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. It's 2024. This is technically the first episode of 2024, except for the uh, review episode. Uh, but even then, it's not really a full-on episode, is it? Um, it's the birthday episode. Yippee skippy. It's my birthday. Happy birthday, me. And as is tradition with this podcast, I get to answer the age-old question, what is my favorite game show? Uh, fortunately, as you might know, the last few years have been very, very rough on me to just make new content for this weird game show podcast, even though there's been a lot of game shows that have come out, especially last year, which is why we had a lot of review episodes. So things like 007 and Squid Game, which you, of course, can listen to here. Um, it, it's been interesting, to say the least, the amount of game shows that have, have happened, uh, of course, because of the writer's strike, there was a good chunk of, uh, what's the best way to say it, uh, shit, shit game shows that have also probably got the pickup, and a lot of people f not figuring out why certain shows are good. Uh, here's a hint, folks, if you are in the commissioning desk at any television studio, please don't do what's the trend I, I know it, it, it's a safer bet to go with what is a trend, rather that's a desert island or drag or a battle royale format, um, but or a singing show, um, but please, you don't have to do that. Go with the risk. As it turns out, time and time again, maybe I'm speaking out of experience, even though I've never been in the commissioning office, and it's probably very tough to, to do this because of money tightening and all that, going for a riskier bet is always better than going for a safer, sure thing. It's what it sounds like in the world of television and in terms of pretty much anything else. Why a riskier opportunity is because then you get the buzz. Hey, you got to watch the show. And then you have people plagiarizing your hit show instead of the other way around. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that message. Uh, like, like for instance, Fox. Uh, they're trying. They they were big with Idol, right? So then they try to find the next Idol. So they had the X Factor, and then the Four, and then uh, what was that? A uh, head to head song thing, and, and essentially they were trying to find their music competition show. Then they had the Avatar show with Grimes, and 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 all of these flop even the x-factor flopped and and they had a kardashian as a host a kardashian the reason a lot of singing shows fail is essentially considered in defunct land's video about american idol uh however uh when it comes to the uh essentially the singing competition series now you have to do a twist now nbc got the voice and since then has kind of become the it show for singing, even though it has not had stars. Because the reason being, it's not about the singers, it's about the coaches. 
you're not there to see a good singer. You're there to see Blake Sheldon. You're there to see Gwen Stefani. You're there to see Dan and Shay and Reba McIntyre, which is weird because there's that's two country singers and one. The, the, the format of The Voice is supposed to be four people in a different genre, a rock guy, a pop guy, an R&B singer, and a country, because that's like a perfect four mix of all four kind of baseline genres of music in America. So I, I don't, I maybe, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe it'll make sense later. Uh, music is music and all that, but... You're there to see the stars. You're not there to see the new breakout singer, unfortunately. Uh, and, and that's and that's unfortunate. But because singing shows are the rage, then you see things like uh, uh, NBC trying their hands at America's Got Talent with America's Got Talent Fantasy League because that's a way to do the voice, but with America's Got Talent coaches. And then when you go to uh, Fox, uh, they got the mass Singer because that was a big hit in South Korea. And so, so that's because in South Korea, do we go with South Korean hits like I Can See Your Voice? Do we go with other singing shows like I Can See Your Voice? Or do we go to things that are like the mass Singer but dancing? Or do we go for things that are more of a mystery thing like We Are Family? And then you have, if you can do a guessing show with music, well, we can do Name That Tune and Beat Shazam and Don't Forget the Lyrics. So, so it, it becomes all of these one note, you kind of pin the genre, and they don't stand out. Now, I like Fox. I, I, I think Fox has unfortunately pigeonholed itself. It's a music guessing show or a Gordon Ramsay format, and that's about it. So when something like The Floor came out this year, I was at least shocked that they gave something a try that isn't one of those two areas. And maybe that's why when I came up with my list, it, it, it became kind of like, a, wow, that was a good show. And oh, that's an interesting idea. Now, The Floor uh, is actually was actually kind of pitched a while back. Um, I don't think I talked about that on the episode. The Floor was kind of... It, it, John the Mole's uh, quiz show format has kind of been in contention for about five years at this point. It unfortunately never really got picked up because essentially no one takes risks. And that was kind of the big point I was trying to give with this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm following me. I'm going to keep going. No one took the risk for The Floor until the Netherlands a few... Like, I think last year before it became a big hit and they did a second series. And in the meantime, because they got all these pitches and they know this is going to be a big hit, you saw things like a clock quiz with things like Beat the Chasers. Apparently the Fleur and the clock quiz was around the same time as Beat the Chasers when the Chase had a spinoff show. Additionally, uh, things like the Fleur was a Battle Royale series. So you had a few more Battle Royale-style formats, such as the 1% Club make the rounds before then. Uh, even, I think, in one country, I forget which one, did a 1 versus 100 reboot. Uh, <clears throat> and then you see things like um, a, a floor that's the, the game itself. And, I mean, that that's new with this new technology. Uh, and the, the whole pick a category and go with a different floor... It's a simplistic idea, so I don't really think that's part of it. Um, but I'm sure someone pitched like a risk-based take a 
move space based quiz show at the same time. So, so a lot of these game shows and their format ideas, they just kind of get like, I'm not saying stolen. They, they, they get mixed up, mashed up. And it's now like a social media influencer cloud market that you need to sell a format to a bigger person so they can do it, or you have to do it yourself and hope it gets enough traction before maybe the sidemen decide to do jet lag the game. Hey, I'm calling the shot right now. If it's, it hasn't happened yet, the, the, the jet lag the game games are going to get stolen by like Mr. Beast or sidemen, and we're supposed to just laugh it off. And that's going to be sad. People are going to take the wrong reason as to why those shows work, and they're just going to keep following through. It's why there's a lot of people copying the Mr. Beast challenge video idea that always makes the rounds. Um, that being said, Mr. Beast is disqualified in this uh, series because he doesn't technically have a game show. He had a lot of few series ideas last year, uh, and I appreciate those. However, it's not necessarily uh, enough to warrant this. Also, um, a bit of criticism for Mr. Beast videos is he he has a team of, of actual game show producers now. I don't know if you know this. It's not just, not just Jimmy in a room if it's friends. There's now like actual game show, reality show challenge producers who work on these videos with him. And I, I don't know if he, he it's his, like, um, video splash people or not, but he he builds the stakes up and then it climb and it fails. The, the reason people watch the Mr. Beast videos is the feel-good thing of, of these videos. I... I get he wants to be more challenge based and, and less about him and more about people. I understand the human drama element he wants to expand upon with these videos. But it, it, something as simple as, hey, we're, we're giving a shopping spree to this single mom. Like, that that's all you fucking need to do, Jimmy. You don't need to. You don't just have to do a supermarket sweep in a toy store with a kid and you're good. Those were like some of the classic videos of Mr. Beast like four years ago, and he and I get it as he because he is a content creator. How do I make it bigger? How do I make it badder? How do I make it bolder? How do I make it more stand out? I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. I get it, but simplicity works, and and these are getting now into the tricky territory of being just oh well, this guy fucked up. And this guy, we did Squid Games, and he fucked up. And oh, we're gonna have hundred people here, and then this things, and they fucked up. Like it, it, it you don't need to throw a million dollars or four hundred thousand dollars at a game. You can go low and make a hundred thousand guarantee or twenty thousand guarantee, or your ten thousand dollar giveaways that he's so famous for these days. Um, but it's so simple, and it is just to me that that kind of knocked it out. Anyway, back to the traders. The Traders is a simplistic game show, uh, and I was this close to putting it on the list. I did not. So heads up, I'm spoiling something. The Traders did not make the list this year. The reason it did not make the list this year is, one, I did not know it was last year. So I, I was thinking it was 2022, not 2023. Uh, and two, uh, because... 
even though I can analyze the show format, it's it, it came close. It was in like the semifinals of my talking things, but I just, it's not a show for, I think what knocked it out was, would I want to be on that show? And the answer is no, because I'm not a reality show star. Uh, and two, it's the, um, the it's, it's an imbalanced game format. If you are a faithful, you have an uphill battle. You don't get to know who a, uh, uh, one of the traitors are. Well, the traitors are basically safe from an elimination at the end of the show, uh, except for at the banishment ceremony. So a faithful can get eliminated in two different scenarios, the banishment or the murder, and the traitors, they just don't have to murder. That's about it. Um, so, and there are better society-based game shows. Like, for instance, see The Devil's Plan. That's a society-based game show that's also available. Um, and and uh, even though it, it works, I, I, I think a lot of the problem is it's, a, it's because... The Traitors is Der Verauders, which is, uh, I think that's, I, I'm going to say Holland, but I might be wrong, probably Netherlands, probably something. A Norse-based Scandinavian country show. The reason it's successful is a lot of Scandinavian game shows, especially those that are reality show-based, like The Mole. Hey, I'm pointing out The Mole here. Hey, The Mole. is It's involving cooperation, as a key element to its game with a caveat of you can fuck this up. So in in the case of The Mole, it's a cooperative-based game show, but one of them is intentionally fucking them up. Uh, Essentially, with the traitors, it's about the faithful who are trying to work together to try and suss out who is the traitor. And you know who the traitor is because that gives you a sense of urgency and you get into, and that's your big hook versus all the other kind of formats is you get to see who it is. So you're spoiled on how it is. So now you're playing, you're seeing two different types of stories, the faithful trying to find out who they are and the traitors trying to figure out what to do next is their next strategy. And that's supposed to be an enticing element to this game. Now, in the UK, they turn that simplistic werewolf mafia style into one that is essentially about good people turning bad. So it's all these nice, good, goody, goody people. And then by being a traitor, you're, of course, the villain of the reality show and the mental toll it takes to be a villain. When it comes to the uh, US version, we just went into full on drama mode and got reality show stars. It's a reality show all star market. So what we ended up seeing is a lot of reality show stars who've already had tense grudges because, hey, I stabbed you in the back on Survivor, and now we have to work together for the show. And that adds a new element to a game that already exists. It's very simplistic. The wrong takeaways I'm seeing with our versions of this show is, first of all, Australia went straight up no castle uh, and no real um, urgency. And that show got canceled, which sucks because I love that host. Uh, the UK version saw it being a huge cultural phenomenon. And their main takeaway is we need more game shows that are like the traitors. So we need more of the rat in the kitchen, snake in the grass, toad in the hole. 
and keep going from there because that's what we have to learn. So maybe the hustler is going to be picked up there. You don't fucking know. Hey, the hustler. Remember that hit show with, with Craig Ferguson on ABC? Did people even remember game shows from four years ago? I don't know. I talked about Schlugged and Star and everyone got really excited about a pretzel all of a sudden being cut in half. And that being an intense television show. That's a fucking great game show. That was my pandemic watch. And they even had things like bowling. They had paintball. They had skeet shooting. They had wakeboarding. There was a game where they had a bulldozer. Like, it's... They had like the a, a giant parking lot, and they had to do the act like that that little car parking game puzzle, but in real life, they, it, there's a lot of fucking cool challenges on that show. If you really want to get into it, feel free to watch it. The Schlogged and Star, Schlogged and Hensler, Schlogged and Rob. It's a great fucking show. But I don't think you're there for it because no one fucking listens to this show, and no one fucking follows me on social media to know it's a fucking great show. You know, nor do they follow uh, Bother's Bar, shout out to Brig, nor do they follow the Rally TV stars and, and a whole bunch of other people who who kind of spread the word of this weird-ass German show. Northern Lion played its game, for Christ's sakes. Fuck you. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, because of that, the Traders is now getting a lot of Trader spinoffs. There's something called the, tro- the Chosen Ten, where they have to choose ten people to play a game. I don't think that might work, because that's a social quiz. That's not what people kind of wanted, but maybe that'll be a hit. And over in America, we're going to see a, there's now a rise of a reality show contestants doing more reality shows. Rather, it's the Traders or House of Games, not House of Games, House of Villains with Joel McHale, or I guess having Boston Rob on Deal or No Deal Island, for instance. But I think he chose that over the Traders for a good reason. It's stunt casting. Uh, so if you're new to the exciting world of game shows, stunt casting is when a reality show or a game show intentionally tries to call up people with a known quantity and try to get them on the show uh, so they can uh, be a contestant. So that could raise more hype for the show rather than, you know, doing the open call that's typical of most game shows. So something like uh, when Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Well, let's try and see if we can get any um, PhDs or Nobel Prize winners or, or people with some high pedigree of intelligence instead of the elementary school teachers that we normally get, because that's usually their hook for fifth grader. Or in the case of, um, well, what would be another good stunt casting? Um, when you see, uh, I was going to say when you see James Beard winners on, on Top Chef, but that, that's, just, that's just normal. That's like in most cooking shows. Um when you when when a um, I I got one. When you see Survivor, and one of the people has the occupation of like a pirate or something of of the sea, like I'm a I'm a boat captain. It, it, they're trying to get for something with that, uh, or when the voice gets a singer, and even though I think that's more open call, uh, gets a singer who knows one of the coaches. So hey, I'm a I'm a side singer for Usher. I'm a I'm a hey, 
I wrote songs with Reba McIntyre. So then it's like, oh my God, it becomes a big hook. Or, or essentially every single person they ever get on The Masked Singer, which is every sort of celebrity that's willing to degrade themselves for a fee of roughly $1,000 to $50,000 an episode. Uh, anyway... <sighs> Let's go into um, why this. It's good and bad. It it depends. I I the goodness is with the stunt casting is you get your hook. Like for instance, Dealer No Deal Island. You have Claudia Jordan, who was a former model for Dealer No Deal, and you have Boston Rob, who was on Survivor, an island-based game show. Or when you see the chase, and they have Jeopardy All Star champions. It, it, it goes into that. That's the one I should have went with the chase. Anyway. Good or bad, it, there's no risk. It's risk versus safety. That's the way game shows work. So for me, when it came to this list, and I, I know I'm going to get to my list, I was going for game shows I want to be on, game shows that were a bit more riskier compared to others, and game shows that I will watch over and over again. If you told me there's a new season, I'm going to immediately watch it. So I hope you enjoyed this list of the five favorite game shows because obviously this was with hundreds of game shows out there it, it becomes challenging Number five on this list is Limitless Win, or Ain't Index Limitless Win, uh, which is a quiz game show over on ITV in the United Kingdom. I think it is simply one of the best modern game shows out there. And this is the one that was like the squeaky of the list. So when I get to the uh, the prologue of this um We'll, we'll get to... Is it the prologue the end? I don't... I Anyway. Limitless Win is a game show where people answer questions that are numerical-based, kind of like The Price is Right, but not really about money, rather about feet, inches, how many of these are in this. And they have to essentially uh, turn a dial like power of 10 to the amount of things that match. Now, they can be any number under, like The Price is Right, but never one over, because one over is game over. Uh, the catch is the amount of steps that it takes for them to go up is actually the ladder itself. Every 10 rungs is a different money sequence. So it starts from like 500 pounds all the way to 1,000 to 10,000. Like it just grows and grows 20,000 until I think like 150 steps up or 200 steps up. It's when it gets to the million dollar zone where it becomes a million, 1.25, 1.5. And it becomes more of a tricky problem now if you give answers correct you bank the money and that's the amount of money you can walk away with so so there's your catch in terms of budget friendliness is you're not necessarily winning the money the more you go up on the ladder it's only when you give a correct answer that you actually bank the money to leave with so there's an appearance of big money but only if you're daring enough to get the number exact 
Otherwise, you're, you're going to be losing lives. Uh, which makes for a very interesting game show format. To me, I think that is uh, one of those game shows that's like a millionaire or a deal or no deal where it, it's the, oh, ah, this is a new kind of idea, even if it's something simplistic as how many, um, for instance, uh, how many Cadbury cream eggs are in a standard carton of Cadbury cream eggs every Easter? Things like that. Or... Um, Another one is, uh, uh, how old was Kelly Clarkson when she won the first season of American Idol? Things like that are, are the, the questions that will be proposed to a couple and it becomes this great narrative and there, and it's a virtual reality set. The first season set looked like dog shit. I'm sorry. It looked like a straight up PS3 level game and eh. But season two onward, beautiful as and awesome and brightly lit and colorful. And yes, it's partially virtual reality, partially computer generated. But the practical part of the set is also still in, in there. So it's this great mishmash of a real set and a virtual reality set that I think is this perfect balance that the show needs. Um, to me, I think that is the kind of uh, future of technology with sets and graphics that you can go with, if not in the LED screen everything route. The game itself is very intense because there will be times when someone already has 100,000 pounds and they're at 1 million and they have to get one answer exactly right. And they're like, I'm very confident it's nine and then it becomes this big debate for 20 seconds and they're stressing out. Do they want to lock it in and gamble or do they want to bang? Like, what? And it becomes a good stressor point, which I don't think really happens that much in game shows. I think the last time I saw that experience was on like million pound drop when they don't really win money that much. They don't win a million pounds on that show at often. But Limitless win is essentially you in the game when you're happy and that or if you fuck up once and get over that's that's it and to me it's a simplistic idea of a game show it's one that uh is on i think it's fourth season now in the uk and to me it's like a good benchmark for a good like I wouldn't say a strip game show. I what would be a better name? Uh, like an event, an event-based game show, which is kind of what a lot of TV shows need to try and do when it comes to creating a game show. Should it come to America? Absolutely. I don't know if it, it's a good fit for Fox or CBS or ABC or NBC, but it, it feels like the kind of big money primetime game show that it needs to be. And to me, that's why I'm celebrating it. That's why it's my number five limitless win. Uh, last, oh yeah, uh, this last season, uh, someone won a million pounds finally on the show. So, so it's possible that someone can win a million dollars on the show. And the people were a bit pissed because, oh my God, you're going to bankrupt the TV channel because the money is not as much as it used to be when it comes to watching network programming. Anyway, that's limitless win.
I also wanted to try and do the cube voice. Number four is the cube. Last year, it fell off because there was no second season, and they waited a whole year. Thanks, Zaslav. And my number four, as I've noted the last year, which was Cheat, I believe, it seems every year, whatever's in this spot is going to get canceled. So I'm almost positive the cube has been canceled right now. In the event the cube has been canceled, just assume I said Taskmaster in this list, or another one of the game shows you normally hear me talk about, Schlag, or, or The Mole, or, or one of the other uh, flights of fantasy that we usually talk about here. Um, for, for, for me, the cube, if this is the end of the cube, I want it to be in my top five list because I really loved our American adaptation of the cube. For me, it felt like a journey that was almost two decades at this point. Uh, when the first season of Amer of the Cube in the UK happened, uh, with, with disgraced host Philip Schofield, um, but no, uh, yeah, Schofield was a, was was a, a delightful on that. And then they attempted it in a CBS, and it flopped, and and the, all of these attempts, and then on TBS of all places. It got picked up, and Dwayne Wade hosted the show and was fan-fucking-tastic on the show. He had this perfect balance of being in the... He's not the center of attention, but he's not necessarily playing game show host, which I think is crucial for, for a show like The Cube. The Cube is a skill-based game show where it's essentially you throw a ball in a cup, kind of like what Mint to Win It was... But the cube came out first, if that makes sense. Read the first part of this whole episode. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so the cube was like, you know, throw a ball in a cup or throw a cube in a ball. And, and, and like all sorts of these little skill-based challenges. Roll this to the edge without it falling off. and Or catch a ball as it flies out. Or, or bounce a ball into the wall and then catch it in a cup. Some variant of a simplistic challenge with the big hook being that the floor is LED and there is the Matrix-style camera angles all over the place. So any single thing you do is super slow-mo or in like a cool uh, uh, Matrix like curve-ature situation and these really amazing shots. And even though the technology has been in this game show for almost 12 years at this point, it still astounds me to no end because they always like to try new things with this and new like graphics and new challenges and to me that's why i've always loved the cube in a technical level it is a, a slightly smaller way to do experimental things with shots to me in the world of television sports is always going to get the latest and greatest new technology because ooh, how does this work and how does this slow-mo work how does this drone cam work but the cube is the second closest you can come to that in terms of technology innovation especially in a competition series to me that is the big hook for me and why i always love the cube secondarily it is actually a psychological game show which is, I mean, you could say that about Deal or No Deal if you want to, but but the cube is essentially supposed to be that. It's the game you could play in the cube and the game that plays in your head. It's a simplistic fucking challenge. All you gotta do is drop a coin, like a foot, and have it land in a shot glass. 
there's no water. It's just a simple drop into the shot glass. It, it, you have done this before, probably at a bar once. Just because you were bored, you're doing this again, but for $100,000. It's simplistic. That's all you have to do. But if you fail, you lose $50,000, which is not necessary. So it becomes this like, do I go for it? What do I? To me, that is the thrill of the show. And that is the, the, the excitement of it. Having these, uh, they included in season two, they included the trial run, which is exciting. So they had simplified trial run and the assist with, with Dwayne playing basically asked the host for one attempt. I like that they, for one of the, of, for a one off, uh, the, the assist, you could have him join you in a two player challenge. To me, I think that should be a full time rule change. Because I think that would also be just very fun for you to play with Dwayne Wade on a challenge. I think that the, there's also a bit of a hook there as well. If you're going to keep that for a season three is I got to play a game where I roll a ball on a tray with Dwayne Wade and we have to get it into the center. That's cool. Something like that would have been fun. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be picked up. Someone also beat the Cuban America, by the way. So and they did Pathfinder, which is my favorite challenge on the cube. So for me, I, the cube definitely stands out a lot more. It's it's simplicity and its challenges, it's it's technological genius, and its ability to make things seem overtly more complicated than it is, but it's not. And and to me, that is why I love the cube. Um I think when it when it comes to a lot of challenge based shows, it just they they want to just do the repeats and hang on to it. I think the problem with the cube is the T Turner basically had no faith in it. I think that in their wipeout with with Nicole and John Cena, th those are two good shows you can put together on like a Saturday or a Friday, pair it up with AEW if you want to, and and you will have at least a good baseline of people who watch. And uh, I don't think they're really committing that much to original series anymore, especially again when Max is basically imploded and a lot of shows are canceled or ended or deleted or never to be seen from again or in limbo in production. So it, I, I feel bad because to me, I think The Cube is one of the best game shows out there. They finally got their season two and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal broke the fucking cube and I think that's a funny ass moment and I don't think we really talk about it that much. Um, but it is what it is. So if this is the last season of The Cube, I want to put this on the list. I want to say thank you to the entire production team at The Cube for creating what is one of the greatest American game shows in the last five years. I know it was tough during the pandemic, but you did a great job. It, so, so for me, that's why it's my number four show. I enjoy it so much, and I, and I want more. <laughs> and I think that's why it's on here.
Number three is very tricky. It's deal or no deal. Does that include deal or no deal island? I still don't know because even though it is debuted before the March 1st deadline, it's tough to judge the show because it's not done yet. And you, do you want to go off the appearance of what the challenge and the rally show is or not? So Deal or No Deal Island, just to make a quick, is essentially uh, a scavenger hunt on an island. And then whoever has the highest numbered case goes on to essentially be the power player. And then you do your survivor or form alliances, whatever, to pick the two lowest people to to join to play the final round elimination game. The two people eliminated are essentially whoever brought in the lowest cases. So if they brought in a $50,000 case and a $75,000 case and it's two people, like Big Brother, please don't vote me out, the other guy. And what happens is whoever is the one that's chosen by the, the power player of the night, uh, they get to play deal or no deal. I don't know why they're not winning the money on the deal or no deal, but whoever is, but whatever money is on the board at the end of this deal or no deal, rather through a deal or they go all the way through all 20 cases, that money goes to the jackpot, which at the end of the show, one person plays deal or no deal for. So essentially it could be played for, tens of millions of dollars if done correctly with everyone being very very lucky in this version of deal or no deal island a good deal means you're safe a bad deal means you're eliminated a good deal means you dealt and you got a low case a bad deal is you dealt and you got a high case or you went all the way and picked up the lowest case simple as that if you keep going and you crash out it's okay as long as <laughs> Again, the final two, one's low, one's high, and you don't have the low one, you're safe. So it's essentially a luck-based elimination game played with deal or no deal and offers that are meant to make it appear like you're winning lots of money, but you're not dealing at that money. You're dealing knowing there's two cases higher and four lower, so there's a two, uh, there's a one out of three chance I'm still alive in this game. And, and that and that's actually kind of intriguing. That brings a little more, uh, uh, I hate to say cerebral because it's just luck based and picking numbers, a, a bit more depth in terms of an elimination challenge themed around luck. But at the same time, I just want to see deal or no deal, and I would have much preferred they just did deal or no deal. Ultimately, I would rather prefer they did w with the other shows that are on this list and just have made it like a, a syndicated Monday through Friday hour-long show. Like if, if you did Deal or No Deal in, in like they did in the UK for half an hour, or sorry, uh, an hour in the UK and half an hour in Australia, it would be fucking better. Yeah, a thousand times better. A million times better than Deal or No Deal Island. Deal or No Deal Island, though, it's its own flavor. It's its own. It's its own punch. It's its own. You want to watch and root for for um, Claudia Jordan to win, but you you know that only one of these people is actually going to play Deal or No Deal for real for the money, and not you know 
everyone else. To me, that is the core of the Deal or No Deal game show, is that anybody, anybody in the entire world can play and understand this. You pick a number, you we play a process of elimination, and then you get an offer, you can stop right there or keep playing. It's so simplistic, that's why this show has worked as an international game show format, because at its core, it's every game show rolled into one. However, the budget to a lot of these shows has unfortunately declined over the years. So, for instance, uh, in Australia, it went from a million dollars to... 200,000 to in this reboot $100,000 but it's still a really fucking good game show compared to Deal or No Deal Island I'm sorry to say the thing is though I really love the Deal or No Deal aspect of Deal or No Deal Island (laughs) Joe Macanello is a really good Deal or No Deal host and I'm kind of like that's to me that's my favorite part of the show that in a bit of the like the scavenger hunt part so like hey see a bit of the scavenger hunt challenge and see the deal or no deal part and you're good i don't care for the gossip um so so for me the grants 100,000 grant Dan, uh, denier hosts deal or no deal in australia it's every day monday through friday $100,000 is the top prize all the way down to 50 cents and the and it's a very budget-friendly board with 22 cases. So you have like 75, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, and it just keeps going from there. And as they open cases, it plays exactly like Deal or No Deal, but it's faster paced. There's not a lot of drama moments other than at the very halfway part where we get to know the contestants or if the game goes downhill, we have to fix the show up. And it still works to me. The Deal or No Deal Australia show is such an addictive game show experience because it's fast-paced had half an hour when a lot of other versions go on for an hour and spread this drama out. It's not, hey, I want to open up case four. Open the case. What do you think is inside? $100. Oh, it's $200. That's it. That's the show. That's all the show is. Not, you picked case four. We want to see anything but the 100,000. you got to open this up. Oh my God, if this is there, you no, it's fine. They only do that at the final rounds to build up the stakes. And even then, it's only for 10 seconds versus a full minute. They're speeding the show up. And to me, it is essentially like a, it is potato chip television to me in terms of a game show. Likeable contestants. I've not missed a single episode yet. It is enjoyable. Grant's a great host. You want to be his... Like, he seems to be friendly with everybody. He wants to make sure everybody wins. But unlike other game show hosts, I've noticed, he does kind of elbow you into a direction. And and I've read that very quickly. Early rounds, yeah, he just basically wants you to say no deal. But when it gets to, like, the final rounds, it's like... You know, you said you wanted this, and that's right there. So you could take this deal. So it becomes more of like a you don't have to go on. Uh, to me, I like that aspect of it. Uh, and they've already had two dream finishes of a 75000 and a 100000 which was very interesting because the luck on that is not that good. So for me, 
it, it, its speediness actually makes it worthwhile. Now, we attempted a half-hour deal or no deal with Howie Mandel in the States, but instead of a let's have it be uh, essentially... They tried to make it like the American version. Let's have the banker be mean and do do and da, da, da. and they try to do some of the core elements of the American hour long deal or no deal into this quick version, and it, it it works and doesn't work equally at the same time. But I would prefer they have just done a half a million dollar deal or no deal here in the states Monday through Friday instead, or you do a um. You do the hour-long deal or no deal situation, but it's played more like the UK version. The UK version to me was my favorite version because it built stakes, it told a story, there was drama elements, Noel was a great host. When I watched the UK version, the first episodes, yes, it still it, it still has um, Stephen Mulhern play the, the, this... Saturday morning, oh my god, we're playing Deal or No Deal, kind of frantic game show host ask game show host. But at near the end of the the series run, he kind of found out that, oh, people fucking risk a lot of money and they lose, and that fucking sucks. I need to actually be more neutral about this situation. And he got a lot better. The first season, though, had a lot of hiccups. The board is still sucks. I think the production team really wanted the banker to say their shitty scripted lines of like, oh, you're a teacher? Well, I'm taking you to school. I, 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 I fucking hate all those aspects of it because I think it, it, it could be a lot better. The Australian banker, by the way, is more cheeky, I would say, more 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 fair neutral in their situation, where it's a, if they're calling up, they're not going to really insult the player until they say something insulting about the banker, or until something comes up in the game where it's like, we, well, we know this game is heading down south, so hey... I know you play music. If you can perform some music, I'll give you $200. Like, like just to make the game a little faster. Kind of like what they do on Let's Make a Deal sometimes with uh, with Wayne Brady. So it, it, to me, it that makes him much more enjoyable of a format. I think Deal or No Deal, it works because anybody can play, anyone can win. And what I've learned is... Monday through Friday, even though it's the same game played over and over again, one aspect plays it almost like Wheel of Fortune, where it's you can't, you want to keep playing, you want to keep watching, it's addictive to watch even with commercials. The other plays into the human element, and I wish they had, essentially, I wish they had the UK, bo- the, the UK version had the Australian board in pounds. That's my simplistic answer to this. If they had the UK, if the Australian versions had the UK board, I think it would have flopped. If the UK version had Australia's board, it would be better. Um, but it it's so much fun to meet people and see the, like the joy and like, hey, this person got enough to finally buy a vacation or get a house, and you're you're happy for them. It's a happy, happy show. Unfortunately, the only reason it's lower on this list compared to when it would normally be my favorite ass game show is, again, 
the budget. That's all it is. It's simplicity is the budget. If they could throw just a bit more money at this, I it would be better. And I hate to say that because I know m money is tight for a lot of these shows. But for me, I would say it is such a feel-good show. Watch the Australian version if you hate Deal or No Deal. If you're one of those people that play like the Deal or No Deal game at, at the um, at the arcades and you just keep whacking buttons and you're like, that was like five minutes. That's just the fucking Australian version. <laughs> it's that speedy. Uh, and in the UK version, it's more dramatic like the US version, but there is more of a pull, which I think is an important part to a show like this. Uh, so for me, I would have just had it be like, let's just do deal or no deal with like half a million dollars or with $1 million in 26 cases. And you play it like the, uh, like the American, like the UK version where the models are all contestants and we get to know them and get to meet them. And we stretch the 26 cases opening up for the entirety of the hour. Something like that. If it was like a, if it you, I think it needs to be more stripped out, and it needs to be more of a storytelling. That's all it needs to be. And and at its core, it's still there, but it, it could be better. But that being said, I, I I I do implore people watch the Australian version if they want like a quick deal or no deal fix. It's very cheap compared to our American version, but it's so so good. Plus, like, the UK version also is just, it just needs a few nooks and crannies fixed, and it's all good. Anyway, that is Deal or No Deal, my favorite number three game show. Not my favorites. It's in my top five favorites, but number three. I could listen to that theme pretty much all day if I wanted to. The Price is Right is my number two game show. And yes, it so fluctuates. Uh, to me, The Price is Right was always like my number one before I did the podcast. If I had to do a yearly run before Deal or No Deal. I think The Price is Right is that is what for most people that chicken soup show. It's the I'm sick at and I'm sick at school or work and it's on in the daytime. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch Bob Barker, I'm going to watch Drew Carey and I'm going to have a good time. And I will be one of the I hate to be honest. I I, I know I don't want to be be this honest. I I think a lot of people did not like The Price is Right during the pandemic when they got rid of the big crowds and it was just people running into a empty studio, it was very sad. When they see the deal, the, the price is right pods, they were really sad. It, 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 it was sad watching it. And I will have to say it, it felt sad. It felt like here was this like show that had like a huge crowd or at least the appearance of a large crowd. Cause it's hundreds of people and because of this pandemic and the slow people like bring coming in, 
it made it really challenging to to create this audience participation game show and i get it it was however a really good time for drew and for the models to kind of prep and 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 work on hosting and emceeing and all this other good stuff that now that it's moved from uh cbs to the uh, from cbs television city all the way to the haven studios in in glendale uh they found its footing and now all they have to do now is just work on uh direction and and blocking that's about it is just work on the blocking and considering the second block of shows have fixed a lot of the blocking it's pretty damn good there's no more going upstairs to go see the host but you don't need that orchestra section i don't i don't get the need for people exciting about seating arrangements on a game show they could put on fucking bleachers for all i care as long as it shows excitement and it shows people encouraging everybody to win i don't give a shit the reason price is right is so happy is Essentially from my original series finale video. If you remember, I was crying like shit in that. Because it is this feel-good, happy show where everybody's working together to try and help each other to win. Even though there's sometimes the $1 uh, bids on the one bid. So if someone goes 500 they go 501 Yeah, that happens. But they want everybody to win. They're, they're, they're helping out. And they come from very, very diverse backgrounds they don't we don't know who they vote for we don't know if they have had a bad day most of them we don't even know their occupations but these are practically strangers and they're getting hugs high fives uh and in words of encouragement and to me that's kind of what a game show should have always been if that makes sense i mean a lot of times you have to have that argument because ooh drama or, ooh, we have to have, like, the bickering and arguments, which is the traitors, for instance. Or the big brother drama, or survivor, or what have you. But the price is right is consistent in that feel-good atmosphere. Even if somebody loses, they still get a round of applause. They still get, yeah, good job. And they still, like, it's not sarcastic in any way. It's a feel-good, happy, happy, happy show. To me... It is something we really desperately need. And it, even at this point, when we get to learn about Drew Carey, not just from the writer's strike, but his own personal life, he finally got his own sign-off after all these years. When I lasted game shows, I suppose, Drew Carey still never really had a sign-off. It was still help control the pet population, have your pet spayed or neutered, and hey, thanks for putting us in your homes. See you soon. Like, that was it. And now, if you watch The Price is Right at the end of the showcase, Drew Carey ends with, hey, thanks for having us in your home all these years. Remember to help control the pet population, have your pets spared. And hey, take care of yourself. Take care of your mental health, your physical health, all your health. And make sure you, you, you love yourself because we want to see you back here right soon on The Price is Right. I love you. Bye. And so it becomes this like feel-good, self-love situation. And, and more of a mental health, which I think is also very encouraging. Um, so it's a feel-good show that also has a feel-good message at the end, even if there's a double overbid, which has happened a few times. Um, so it, to me, it, it's a it's one of the happiest shows on television, 
and post-pandemic, even though the pandemic's still going on, hey, long COVID is real, we still need to address that it's a happy, happy show, and the uh, and the grabbing of a crowd brings a lot to a game show. And the fact it's The Price is Right, what most people think of as a game show, is back, essentially. The Price is Right has a few Price is Right at Night specials that have happened. Uh, they did a Super Fans last year. They've had uh, NFL fans. They had a lot of these the, this, this month, I think. They did a jackpot, which essentially was essentially doing the million-dollar uh, spectacular-style challenge, like, twist two games, but without giving one game a million dollars, which is a nice budget saver. Um, hey, Drew, why don't you make it so if someone goes to spend a thousand bucks on their showcase at Price Right Night, they would pop showcases in a million bucks again. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> they will do it probably one day, um, but not right now. Um... So, so for me, The Price is Right has remained a feel-good show. It has remained good and has improved ever since and has great prizes and fantastic trips and all sorts of great, great items. Uh, great energy. And to me, it's all about the hugs. I just like the hugs. Um... <clears throat> <laughs> it's esteemed television game show critic Jordan Haas praises the price is right in quotes I like the hugs <laughs> but yeah no no it, it to me that is the price is right is, is such a cultural phenomenon of a show and I think when it came to a lot of the big game shows this year the one that stood out the most at least to me was the price is right so for me Personally, The Price is Right, because it stuck out the most of all of the shows, that's the one I'm going with. Andy, number one game show. You guessed it. It's Press Your Luck. 
Press Your Luck remains my favorite modern game show. Elizabeth Banks is still a fantastic host. Celebrating its 40th year, Press Your Luck delighted me this year. Fantastic out-of-this-world prizes and trips and, and money. And the dream prizes at the end of the show in that big bonus round remains to me fantastic it has also moved to haven from, Pre from press your luck and still has that big crowd reaction when dealer no deal uh decided uh to leave press your luck kind of filled the void of that luck-based game show and decided what if we gave somebody a, a lifetime supply of jello and yes that's all you have to do for a game show is be weird about it I embrace the fucking weirdness of let's celebrate somebody winning a statue of themselves. <laughs> I don't care. That's what makes game shows fucking cool. Um, a lot of game shows really want, want to focus on drama, want to focus on storytelling. And yes, in many ways, those are key components to a very, very good game show, especially one in the later 2000s, especially in a reality show format. But Prester Lock is an 80s reboot that stands on its own merits. It's not necessarily a Monday through Friday strip version, like Peter Tamarkin's Daytime Quiz, but it does have its own, like, vibe from its uh, SNL-like parodies with the whammies to its more fucked-up whammies getting annihilated to really good ad-libs, to questions now becoming answers into the board. Things like an air cannon, like a t-shirt cannon was a fucking prize on the show and after a question about the t-shirt cannon. To me, it's those little moments on this show that make it so delightful, so charming, so game show in a way that I can't say anything but this is the best game show on television. This is my favorite ass game show. This is the game show I, of all the game shows currently on the air, would want to be a contestant on. Even if I don't win that show, that is such a fun show to be probably pushing the button and saying, Big Bucks, no Amy, stop. It's to me why game shows continue to be fantastic as a genre that's made to delight and entertain and make us feel joy and and even at times when a whammy hits up and you feel oh god you're not totally devastated and you feel bad yourself you just feel bad for that person for a moment and you're like but wait a minute didn't they just win a camaro in the front game and you're just like oh okay it's all good to me game shows are meant to be happy they're they're happy. They're one of the happiest genres. You're, it's supposed to be aspirational television with play along factors, and press your luck nails it every chance they get. Now, is it perfect? Sometimes, no, I will say. But you, game shows never are perfect. <laughs> if you've noticed, there's no such thing as a perfect game show. Rather, it's production edits. Even if somebody, like, what would be a perfect game show? Someone getting every question right and then winning the game? That would be boring. If someone gets every question wrong and loses the game, that's also boring. Like, there is, is it someone coming from behind and winning? and come, No, because then you're confused. But Press Your Luck goes through all of the aspects and continues to surprise. And I think that is the, the best part of the show is it's surprising television. It doesn't necessarily have to follow game show crux. It's not, it doesn't necessarily have to do, hey, we brought this person 
to the to from from the other part of the of the globe, so we can see lose. They don't have to do those gimmicks, but they do uh, have fantastic. Uh, what's that term? Um, I already said surprise, but it's it's like a suspense, suspenseful, uh, ah, it. it I, I wish I was better with words. It, it's a term for when just when you think this is the limit, it goes beyond that limit and that surprises you in a delightful way. Like something like that, whatever that term is. This is my birthday episode now. I feel old. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, pressure luck continues to, to surprise. I just when I think like, okay, well, they can't top this season. They top that season. It gets bigger and bigger, better, better. And even then, you can watch old episodes, season one, season two, season three, and still find a light in it. To me, that is why I love Press Your Luck. It is the greatest show on television in terms of a game show. Like Press Your Luck, like Price is Right, there's people encouraging you in the audience. There, Even when the game's over, what I've noticed is the contestants hug each other just like on Price is Right. So it's still a feel-good fucking show. Um... To me, I, I think that is what makes a game show a game show. Uh, it, it's once again joy and surprise and luck-based elements, and there's still trivia in the show, and there's laughs, and it, it's everything I want in a game show. And maybe that that that's uh, that's why it's all supplemental, but that's just for me. And now we have to do the unfortunate bit of business where I get to be mean about game shows and basically play the, well, you didn't say this show. Well, you didn't do this. So let's let's close this out. So now I'm going to unfortunately be the, well, you didn't say this show, you didn't do that show. And I wanted to make sure there was a little bit room left in this episode. It's the birthday episode. It's supposed to be a celebration for me and my favorite game shows, my favorite genre of television, all this. But you didn't say this show, you didn't say that show. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com, you can see me kind of deliberate. Essentially, to, to make a quick version of what we do... Uh, I, I spend about 10 minutes to try and remember every game show that came out last year. If I don't remember that game show, it doesn't count because it's not memorable enough for me. Secondarily, good or bad, is it a good game show last year? Yes or no? Most of the time, no, because either it is a redundant game show, a boring game show, or just one that just I never really cared about. It's a two, like a two out of five show will not make my favorite list most of the time. Additionally, after this is all cut up, then we go into the sudden death rounds where it's, well, I have to eliminate shows. If there's redundancies, if there's multiple reality shows, so if you can only pick one reality show, what will it be? If you can only pick one luck-based game show, what will it be? And keep going from there. What stood out the most from last year? What stood out the most? Did you watch every episode? Would you want to be a contestant on the show? And it's just narrow elimination. To me, I go for my own personal criteria of what makes a great game show. It is, it's basically an ability to entertain, aspire, impress, and, do, and delight. It's an entertainment vessel. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be bored. 
and a lot of game shows do that. Out of the state, out of the rise of drama, or out of the rise of tension, and it, to me, I don't like that at all. Um, I, if I plus ten on your streaming service, you're not doing a good job. A lot of the game shows uh, last year, there were one season wonders, really did stand out though, and it was like, oh, that would have made it, but it was what I said a lot of the time. Ooh, 007 race to a million. Ooh, I love that cinematography. Oh, Brian Cox is amazing as this, like, host that's a villain. But I wouldn't want to be a contestant on that show. Also, it's very one note in terms of it being Bond-themed. Ooh, Squid Games is great. It's a luck-based game show, but it's luck-based game show. The whole purpose of Squid Games was it's like playground games played to an expansion beyond. So if you were really going to do Squid Games... You should have done things like skee-ball or skittles or tiddlywinks or something more skill-based instead of the last half, which was mostly luck-based, including the final round, which was literally billion-dollar rock-paper-scissors. To me, that doesn't make a really good game show as much as I would love million-dollar rock-paper-scissors to be real. You had shows that got canceled like Lotria Loca, which I thought was really good, but missed a few key elements. You had things like Raid the Cage, which has this great frantic feel, but I don't like the set and I'm not as excited during some of the quiz games or some of the tension building when it comes to, well, let's build the bank and, and, you, and you want more. You had game shows like Schlogged and Rob, which I have watched and it's like, oh boy, it's great. It's still fantastic. But it's now a celebrity head-to-head show. It's not really a civilian versus a, a celebrity, which I thought was always like the David versus Goliath aspect of the show. Uh, the Mole is really good cinematography-wise, hosting-wise, but this last season, a lot of the challenges were very redundant from seasons past. So I didn't really put on the list, even though it's still better than the fucking Netflix version. Next is, uh, let's go with the, the big five, as I call it. So you, your big five is Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Family Feud, Let's Make a Deal, and The Price is Right. Of the big five, the one that stood out the most and why I made the list was The Price is Right. So in any other stance, those, those five would always be on my list in some capacity, if, if, unless a show, one of those shows gets canceled, and then in which case probably a reality show like Survivor or Big Brother or The Amazing Race would make that list. And that's including real, like game shows like Jet Lag the Game or Game Changer, which stood out so much for even though they were on the internet. So going through those big five shows, let's make a deal I felt is lacking a lot this year. I, I am very disappointed by Let's Make a Deal, to be completely honest. They kept the pods. They got rid of the Zoom call, though. I think if you were going to keep the pods, you should really keep the Zoom call because the Zoom calls with people all over the world, or at least the country, at least added this element of, well, if you can't be here in Los Angeles, we can take the game show to you. So anybody can play. And I thought that was a good hook to make this more modern and relevant. And then they went back to, well, here's a guy dressed up like Mario, and he's going to try and win a trip to Italy, but it's only for three nights. The budget on Let's Make a Deal is getting worse. And I feel really bad. Because I think a game show like Let's Make a Deal, 
and this is just me, I, I think it, it, it does better if you give it a higher budget, and I think it does way better if you actually made this your, your like, I hate to say cancel, let's make a deal. I don't want the show to be canceled. But I think Let's Make a Deal works better if you threw a bigger budget at it. You made it 13 episodes once a week. I think that kind of surprise would happen because then you can kind of have your previews be and coming up $5,000 or the curtain and then you're sure of a little hook. Nowadays, because of the budgets, because of the prizes, Wayne Bray is going, I'll give you $500 or this box. And in this box is... An Apple iPhone. Yay. I mean, it's still a good prize, but yay. It's the equivalent of when you see someone win a color television on Monty Hall's version. Like, yay, cool technology, but this is like 1977 at this point. You, you have better prices. So to me, it, it could be a lot better. Wheel of Fortune is Pat Sajak's last year. I wish I could celebrate it, but I still do not like the version we have now. I think it's still a little boring. I, st I still think they play it by numbers to try and please its very, very elderly audience watching. They don't... They, you can get younger people to play the show, but it, 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 they're not excited that much. Every contestant has a lovely wife, two great kids, and they always enunciate the puzzle in a very irritating way because nobody in their mind sounds like this. Or can I have a pee? To me, it gets irritating. I watched the UK version, though, with Graham Norton, and I fell in love with that, even though most of the time, the Wheel of Fortune was the triple toss-ups, which is more on the buzzer than spinning a wheel call letter. They have more cryptic kind of category clues, which makes it funny. They still give away lots of money, and at the end, they try to give away 50,000 pounds, and you see someone at uh, the bare minimum win 15,000 if they solve that puzzle, and they end up crying. It, to me, it, there's no, I mean, there's no car, but it, to me, it makes for a, I hate to say a better show, but it makes you want like that version to be our version, <laughs> like the, the, the light up wheel itself, the categories, the, the silly, spontaneous behavior, spot prizes, which you can be, which can be won at any point. You don't have to solve the puzzle. And these aren't just a trip to St. Lucia. It is, hey, here's Uber Eats. Here is a, a tree house. Here is a spa getaway. Things like that. Like where it's simplistic -y things. Here is furniture for your house. Here is, hey, wouldn't that be a clever? A game show giving away computer equipment and televisions. Wouldn't that be rare? Here is a lounge chair and a television. Wouldn't that be just a rare medium compared to here's a trip from Colette to to London. Here is a trip from Rhodes Scholars to, to to train travel. Hey, here's here's a trip. Here's here's a trip. And here's a trip. Oh, it's the car. Here's the here hey, heads up. Someone can walk away with this. Audi.
Oh, wait, we won't have to budge anymore. A Kia. Someone can win this Kia. That's It's still a good car. That, that's where we're at. Jeopardy, do I need to say it? Do I need to talk about Jeopardy? It's the, the, the writer's strike killed Jeopardy this season, so I didn't really feel excited to watch. It sucks because Brian Henniger, one of my friends who was a guest on this very show, was a contestant this season. He did fantastic. He won three games. He's in the Tournament of Champions. I'm pulling for the guy. And and also Panulo, but but, but mostly, mostly Brian. Uh, and it, it's, to me, it's this, it's a, it, it's because the Tournament of Tournaments of Tournaments of Champions with the Tournament Wild Card, Tournament Card thing, Tournament this, Second Chance, Tournament Wild Card, Tournament Champion Tournament, it, it, I, it's not Jeopardy. I and unfortunately, because it's tournament play, a lot of it played like a tournament. Someone goes for the five hundreds, four hundreds, one hundreds. They really just they're just trying to daily double hunt because that's what every person does. It just became very redundant and boring. Even though Ken Jennings has gotten very good as hosting this show. It just never worked out. For me, that's that's just what it is. Family Feud, still a funny-ass show. I'm getting tired, not of Steve Harvey, mind you, but of the, the show doesn't... F- are, we, are we sure these episodes are new? Because you could probably stop recording these shows and just air the Steve Harvey versions for the next 10 years and no one will notice. Um, here's a look at GSN. <laughs> but I it, I wish there was like, I hate to see more money, but just throw like, make it fucking $10 a point already. Make the, ca- I mean, 20000 is still a good round for, for Family Feud, but there is no like lead in. To me, I don't see people leading in Family Feud to something else. I even though I think this would be great for something like the Fox Syndicates if they were having that, because Fox Syndicated shows are all GS and light shows. It's a lot of someone has a chance will win a thousand dollars, have a chance to win ten thousand dollars, or a vacation because that's twenty five words or less. That's Pictionary. That's person, place, or thing. I I could go into all of those twenty five words or less. I wish it was mon- money, not points. I wish the bonus round was played for money compared to points. Maybe $100 or $1,000. And then you get all 10 right, you get $25,000. Something different. Pictionary, it's very cute. But it's it's still lagging, even though Jerry O'Connell is trying his hardest to be a good enough host. Because you're what we're seeing is essentially people playing off a, a, a tablet. And then it's on a, a TV screen. And that's that's Pictionary, but that's you could expand upon that maybe like what they did with Win, Lose, or Draw if they were going to do a tablet. You had things like um, Person, Place, or Thing still is my favorite of those trilogy shows because Melissa Peterman is a fantastic ad-libber, and the way that they structure the show makes it so even the catch-up round isn't really a catch-up round. It's just a, a nice speed round, and I just wish they incorporated that bird character more. I wish they had a better end game. It's just something to to make it just a little bit more exciting. 
because I, I have a lot of fun watching that show, but it doesn't have enough to draw my attention, even though its first season was fantastic. GSN shows. I, I, just see what I said about a lot of these. They're they're di- We went through every GSN show last year. Maybe it's burnout, but I'm sick of whoever wins this gets $1,000 and a chance to win $10,000 in our bonus round. Even though there's great ideas like Switch, which I thought was really cute. You had shows like Blank Slate, which is a very boring version of Match Game where they don't say ass or butt. They have to say uh, cactus. They get to say owl. It, it loses its edge, which means it's just Match Game in the 60s, which was really boring as shit. Match Game in the 60s got canceled because it was boring and not like... Uh, it's scary in any ways and not not uh you don't say penis steve you have masterminds which is great because brooke burns and the beast sometimes shows up but the beast is kind of everywhere now he's on the chase he is on the chase in australia he is also on masterminds and it, it's he, give mark LeBet a break <laughs> even though he does that really good just just something better Anyway, Masterminds, they had to fix the show now. It's two wins of three. I think it's its a cute little show, but man, I, I, I to me, it needs more, more, it feels like an eggheads. I think a lot of these shows that are on GSN need more vibes. Split second, great set, but again, $1,000 of a chance to win $10,000. Budgets, I get it, not your friend. But get some promotional material. Get a car. Get a trip. Get something. Get get variety of prizes with your cash. Maybe get a different amount of mat. Maybe you don't want to give ten thousand dollars away, but at most you can get fifteen thousand, twenty thousand. Maybe a, a jackpot that starts at five thousand and goes up a thousand every day. Do pointless. But a pointless answer adds $1,000 to a bank that starts at $10,000 until it's won and have returning contestants. Something, anything different. A lot of those shows just bleed out and they feel like they, I'm not going to say AI generated, but just feel like I've seen this show before. Which is not good to say because it's GSN. Where in the 2000s, you had Russian Roulette for $100,000, win tuition for $50,000. You had Friend or Foe, where they were playing for about $12,000, but most of the time less than $10,000, doing a split or steal game. Whammy, where the most somebody won was like a car and $18,000. Like, like you could go into that route. You could really be more experimental, more, more pushy. I get it, the money's not there. Not a lot of people want to try or something, but it can be done. It it really can be done. You don't have to make every game show for $10,000 is what I'm trying to get at. If you want to do a vacation game, do what they fucking do on shop till you drop. You win $2,500 in, in shopping, you win the trip. Something different. That's all I'm asking for. So a lot of these shows, they aren't different, so I just kind of, eh. Cooking shows, eh. I like Chopped still. Um, hey, you know the the singing shows like like Mass Singer. Eh. Don't forget the lyrics. I it's okay. Dame that tune is okay. Beach Shazam. It's okay. But they're not stand out enough shows. 
to me, I, I want to, sh- if I'm picking a favorite, I want to show that it's like, this is my game show. I'm standing by it. I'm watching it. Hell yeah. Which leads me to the last game show, which is going to be the one a lot of people are going to be like, wait, why didn't you say only connect? Great fucking show. Literally like that was in the last round. It was that in Taskmaster and Limitless Win. And I picked Limitless Win because of the three Limitless Win. I watched every episode and was delighted. Only connect. I missed a few episodes. Um, but only connect is this aha moment with the quiz. House of Games, fantastic games, but again, it, it hits or miss based on the contestants. Um, Taskmaster, though, that's the one I think a lot of people are gonna be like, "What? Wait, you like Taskmaster?" And I do. I would. That's a, that, if it's the criteria of want to be a contestant. I watch every episode. Is it aspirational? Yeah. The Australian version is better than the UK. New Zealand did better than the UK. There, there's a whole Taskmaster Sweden is doing good. Watch Taskmaster International. They have a lot of great subs. But the UK version is falling into the redundancy, uh, which is not something I want to say about Taskmaster, a fantastic comedy game show. It's being redundant. We're seeing a spinoff where kids are going to play Taskmaster this year. Is it going to be good? I don't know. Kids can be funny, but I don't want to watch kids get bemeaned. And at the same time, I don't want to see kids get coddled by a kid on a comedy show. That's not my interest. If you were going to do a junior Taskmaster, maybe that'd be good on BBC as a kid's show. Maybe they're aiming to be a kid's show. But I don't like Junior MasterChef as much as I don't like MasterChef. It doesn't work in that regard for me. Additionally, a lot of the challenges this year were very um, unclever, I think is the key word here. I like Taskmaster because it's an open-ended game. It's get the ball in the cup, you can't go past this line. Okay. You said nothing about throwing the ball. You never said anything about I can leave this and then make a bigger hole. You never like things like that where you can think outside the box is why people like Taskmaster. People like it because they make it one attempt and oh, that's clever. Or some sort of like or the potato incident where they make a rule change and oh, you screwed up. Things like that where Alex can kind of twist the game slightly enough to make it fun Instead of what is now a you can't, you can't, don't do this, you can't do this, yeah, da, da, da. so now it's essentially just, it sounds like one note, get like, you must now just put this ball in the cup, and you can't go past this line, and you can't leave the line, you can't do anything with the hole, you can't do anything with the line, you can't have change the ball, you can't change, you can't build something off this, because you have to leave, you can't leave the, like, it becomes a lot of no-no-nos. And as much as I want fuck you Alex's, it, it, it doesn't work as a, as a funny element, at least to me. Uh, so a lot of the challenges this year incorporated that, especially the champion of champions. And it's like, once you see, like, the twist, or you know, like, oh, he's gonna not be there, it's gonna be a twist, it's like he's in the other room, you just sort of go, oh... Oh, and you you can't. I know you can't surprise everybody. You can't do this, 
but it, it, it's kind of tough that, like, I know I get more surprises and more joy watching Game Changer on on the Dropout than I did on Taskmaster this year. I saw more out-of-the-box thinking on Jetlag the Game than I saw on Taskmaster this year. So in many regards, Taskmaster is a great show. I'd still love to be a contestant, still want to participate if they ever do a third attempt at American Reboot. But it needs better challenges, needs better tasks. And unfortunately, Game Changer has already done that. And Jetlag has already done that. And it, it, it needs to be better. I, I there's a VR game in the works and I am excited. I want to I want to buy a P VR. I want to play it. I want a VR headset and play it because to me that's that's going to be a fantastic game if done correctly. And the Taskmaster board game is very fun. Like a lot of these tasks are very fun, but imagine getting rid of the open endedness or ch changing up like which should be an, an awe-inspiring double act. I think Greg and Alex is a great double act kind of thing. And the com contestants are very fantastic in terms of it creating a storyline and getting to know these players. And obviously, a lot of the contestants go on to have bigger careers outside of comedy. So you see, hey, I saw you on Taskmaster, which is very funny. Congrats to Kyle. <laughs> um... But yeah, so so for me, that's the biggest disappointment was Taskmaster this year. But I'm still hoping it gets better. Anyway, that's it. I'm going to end the show now. Um, hopefully I'll be back soon to record more top fives, more reviews and all that. Maybe give them my thoughts about Deal or No Deal Island besides one episode. So until then, take care.